We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's an AFC Championship edition of the KC Laboratory hanging out here at the Luxor with my dear pals. Maddie Lane, how are you feeling, my friend? You know... I like sitting on this side of you. This is great. I like that we've wedged you into the middle here. It's made you uncomfortable. Very and, this, and this is extremely. phenomenal that yeah. you're just stuck here in the middle. You're more shook now than you were during during that game last night mm. of the uh, AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs overcoming the fraudulent fraudgles. Frauds. I, you know what? Let's say that again. AFC champion mm. Kansas City Chiefs for the third time. In Mahomes' starting capability, that's five years. Third time in five years. That's pretty good. And three times in the that's last pretty four. Good. Is it good, though? It, it, it's pretty good. It's really hard to get to the AFC Championship game. Is and, it? Oh, Is wait it? a minute. It's really hard to win the AFC Championship. Is it? Is it? <laughs> Man. You almost think we planned this. Yeah. Yeah, I, we didn't. Man. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable, and it's kind of surreal. I want to, like... I haven't processed that the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl yet still. <laughs> like, we're 24 hours removed from the game, and I still don't entirely feel... It's a busy week. And it's a busy week, but it's also just, like, I think that this Bengals game specifically, I think, meant a lot to Chiefs fans. It meant a lot to Mahomes' legacy defenders. It meant a lot to a lot of different things where, yeah, obviously, like, the Super Bowl is the ultimate goal. And... And anything short of that is not going to be satisfying. But this was a mile marker in that step that felt more gratifying than I think it's felt at any point in the last five seasons. Yeah, I think the big thing for this is up until this point, right, the Chiefs haven't really had this direct rival, I guess, Mm -hmm. in terms of going for the AFC. Like when you think back on like Patriots dynasties or even the Steelers and Peyton Manning, just all these different runs, they all kind of had each other as rivals. And so far... 
The Chiefs haven't had that. Their division's been relatively not easy to win, but not the strongest. They keep running into the Bills and the playoffs, but the Bills haven't done anything to them when it matters. Like, you haven't had another team match that success. Last year gave you the Cincinnati Frogles. It gave you a team to potentially be that rival. Guess what? They ain't him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what it was. And, you know, the only other... AFC Championship game that the Kansas City Chiefs have lost was against Tom Brady mm. and the New England Patriots. They did not return to that point the year after that. The Chiefs did not get to match up with that. So that's kind of, there was a lot of emotion in this game. And this team hasn't had to be in that moment where it's, hey, we are really wanting to beat this team because they had our number last year. They ended our season last year. Tampa Bay Buccaneers a couple of years ago. I, we know what that was like. You know, that Super Bowl went down the way it was. But they didn't immediately get to match up against that team, especially not when it matters. And it was so much to the point where this season, they put a lot of weight on that game because of that. Well, and that's it. They haven't had that team that's pushed them to be better specifically to beat them. That hasn't existed for them because it was the Patriots in which they lost in overtime versus an aging team that was coming out of their dynasty Correct. run. They didn't have to go out and get better to beat them. They did. I mean, that's what the Chiefs did. They went out to get better to beat them, but they weren't re-challenged by that same team. Yeah. They haven't run into another team specifically that they had to go out and be better than that team. Not just be better, but be better than a specific team until this Bengals team. We talk about the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can't really go out of your way to make sure you're going to beat an and NFC opponent. Right. And they still tried. They fixed the offensive line. They did what they had to do to beat them if they ran into each other, but that's not the same. So being beaten by the Bengals and the way that it happened, guess what the Chiefs went and did? They went and got better in the ways to beat that team. Yeah. They made themselves harder to defend by getting rid of the best wide receiver in the NFL via trade, replacing him with multiple bodies, giving you multiple avenues to win. They replaced an entire secondary with new guys that could come in and play differently. They improved the pass rush. They found a team that they could improve their team on to beat them. And guess what happens? They didn't even need all those guys because they kept getting hurt. They weren't even at 100%. And they still did it. And I think that speaks to what the core of this team is is and always is going to be. You know, your stars step up and your make plays. Like, this team is always going to be about, um, you know, I don't want to diminish anything else that happened because I do genuinely believe that was the most complete game that basically every single player on the Chiefs <laughs> roster played. Like, honestly, 1 through 53 was outstanding. But, you know, things change, but some things don't. And I, it starts with Mahomes. And, you know, this team, this resiliency that they saw, they showed on the offensive side of the football was pretty impressive because they, I again, like I, we, we speculated last night that they might have been, like, putting that game plan together at, at the end of the game held up by duct tape because they just didn't have the guys that they were planning on using for certain things. And they didn't know what to call. Like, there was almost, like, honestly, it felt like, and not that they were unprepared, it's just you don't prepare for three receivers that have some versatility to what they know how to run being eliminated. Those are the three most versatile receivers. Well, maybe not McColl. But, you know, like, you look at you look at Kadarius, you look at, um, you look at Kadarius and you look at Juju, those are all guys that have a lot of flexibility to be able to play different positions and be a little bit more flexible there and... And they have specific things on top of all that that they are asked to do. And that's probably the better way. It's not like they're playing X, Y, and Z for Kadarius. It's we ask you to do all these different things that we run. And they're not asking MVS to do those very often. 
Well, I think you look at the game and how it started. Like, there was a lot of heavy personnel from the Chiefs. They got into 12, 13 personnel, a lot out there. And, like, it was clearly this this push to get this heavier personnel out there, make the Bengals think about it. And then I think there was kind of that transition in the second quarter around halftime where they were trying to maybe pull back away from that and start to open up the offense, get a little bit more spread, and give Big Lou multiple things to deal with. Mm-hmm. The problem is you lost Kadarius Toney after just he played four snaps. McCole Hardman clearly was wasn't ready for a full workload. We even saw it before he got hurt. He was playing like somebody that knew that he was at risk to be hurt again. He was trying not to go full speed into some contact. So you can't put him directly into that role. Early in the third quarter, Juju Smith-Schuster gets like all of a sudden as we were going to see what could be a this game plan, this advancing game plan, this alteration to the scheme, things changed and they had to change it on the fly. But it was interesting to me the Chiefs didn't go back to heavy as much. Yeah. Once they lost all the wide receivers, why were they not going back into heavy? I think it's because they were just they thought the Bengals would have answers, so they wanted to keep going to something else. But they to didn't ha- yeah, but to yeah. Kent's point, like they didn't have a whole game plan ready worthy <laughs> of heavy personnel. They wanted to transition off of it, but now they lost all their guys. Now all of a sudden you're sitting there, Marcus Kemp. Yes, he's been around, but. This offense is a little different than it's been. He's called up. Sky Moore, who they have told us time and time again, they don't want to give a huge role to yet, is asked to play this huge role again. Like, There's a little bit to that. I think they were limited in what they could do compared to what they really wanted to do in this game. For sure. And, I mean, to that to that point, Lou Anaromo is going to have the number of this Chiefs, defense, or this Chiefs offense in the second half. It's probably going to come in heavy personnel situations. The Chiefs had shown it enough in the early goings of the game, and not just that, in previous games. The Chiefs were ramping up their heavy personnel usage. I'm sure at some point, Lou Anaromo would have had the off-speed pitch to try and limit some of what was happening there. Now, you can point to the Chiefs' offense at points in the second half and say, hey, it still wasn't very effective, but you take that out of his hands a little bit by playing with that 11 personnel, by putting guys on the field, putting them in different situations. It's not a scouted look for the Bengals' defense to be able to say, okay, so Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to run this orbit motion, and no, that's it. That's not a scouted look. That's not something that they did. And so you look at the way that this offense was able to formulate a game plan with those backups to try and take Lou Anaromo out of the game, a guy that has notoriously come out in the second half and had their number, it made sense to kind of go with some of the light personnel. In the moment, it was a little bit terrifying to be able to put that on all of those guys, but that is a credit to the coaching staff. That is a credit to those players themselves to be able to be up and be ready for that moment because the Chiefs had to zig when the Bengals were going to zag, and by doing that, they were able to stay ahead of them. And you kind of wonder if the Chiefs had some intentionality on they weren't going to sit back and let Louie and Aromo make the second half of time adjustment, or, you know, that halftime adjustment and, and kind of show some stuff that he hasn't really shown yet and kind of get into to his bag a little bit. Like they, they were almost pacing and they had some plans and some intentionality to potentially pace that game a little bit differently than they have to try to, you know, it's not just we're going to do what we do and you're going to try to stop it. Maybe they did have some stuff that they were going to be intentional about trying to mix some things up as the game went on that they just weren't even able to do. I think they were hoping the run game was going to be a little bit more effective. I want to be blatantly honest. I think they anticipated being able to find a little bit more space there, find a little bit more to do. And early in the game, they were trying to run some outside zones and – I get what the Bengals were doing. They were really crashing hard outside when they got that. They were giving you this cutback, you know, this bend read or come back inside. 
Thing is, though, you, that's not where you want to run against the Bengals, right? You don't want to take that cut back to the inside to DJ Reader, BJ Hill, these guys that are really good at getting off these interior blocks and let these linebackers come downhill into it, right? That's where they want you to be. Mm-hmm. The problem was, you know, Pacheco's still a young guy. I don't think he was reading it incorrectly. I just think it's kind of game script here. You really needed to stretch the Bengals out and look for the crease. And he was being a little antsy, a little quick to make that cutback. And they weren't getting anything going on the ground. So heavy personnel is not exactly work, or you don't anticipate it working for the whole second half. The run game isn't working. You're now losing receivers left and right. There's not a lot of stuff left. Like, you're kind of really piecing this together. Oh, and by the way, your quarterback, who's the best player to ever exist in the NFL, is has to hop on one leg anytime he's done running because he can't run it out on his right foot. You're limited. So, okay, so, all right, and, and, and the outside zone stuff, like the wide zone stuff, I think is mostly gone, if I remember correctly, too. Do we, there was a little no, bit under center. Some, there was a little center. bit under center. Yeah. Yeah. Do we think that running a little bit of wide zone is just to try to help just like potentially moving the defense and getting that that defense to respect a little bit more lateral. I mean, maybe I can I can see with that with Mahomes's in injuries. Sure, 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 sure. Because you're not going to have some of that stretch. You're not going to play action boot very often. Yeah. You're not going to try and do some of that stuff where you've got those rollouts that try and stress the defense horizontally. So yeah, I, I can definitely see that there, but. It, Again, to Matty's point there, Pacheco's reading it right. Like, he's got yeah, a target. that He's got an yeah. anchor point at that. And everything front side is blocked. That means, hey, we got to have this cutback here. But it, that's one of those that's one of those Jimmys and Joes versus X's and O's there. Mm-hmm. When you're cutting back into DJ Reed or BJ Hill, a filling Jermaine Pratt who's excellent against the run, sometimes you get got in that. And they were able to get some five-yard runs throughout the second quarter, but – when it cut back, when they needed it with everybody hurt, it just wasn't there. Here you go. I, I have something else, but we'll get. Should I stop you. and let you go? No. I'm just okay. Gonna... I think this is something where it has to do with like being a creative runner. Like I 100, I think Pacheco's reading it right. You're going in there. The first person you're going to read is going to be you know like the three tech to that side. If it's a three tech, or it's going to be the D end, right? You have your aiming point. Once you read your whatever your first read is, that's going to tell you essentially if you're going to bounce it outside or not, or if you're going to bang it. And then once that reads there, you look to your backup one. The thing is, they were definitely giving him, you know, the bend read, which is the cutting back inside. They were give, they were over-pursuing against outside zone, making it clear that he should cut it back to the middle. That's what the Bengals want, though. To, to your point, the Jimmys and Joes kind of thing here. DJ Reader's really darn good at defending the run. <laughs> he is okay. You want to you say, oh, yeah, you can just collapse this from the backside? He'll do it. And then he'll get off the block. He can do that really darn well. So, yeah, I think Pacheco is seeing it right, but I think a very game-specific plan there would have been to string it out as long as you can and then look for the crease and just completely remove the bend or the you know cut back. It's not really back, but the tightest angle to the backside. Get that out of there. And I think that's a creative runner. I think you might see a running back with more NFL experience that is a little bit more creative, and this is not a knock on Pacheco. He's been great, but he's just not. he's a rookie. He's not the most creative runner yet he was doing what he was supposed to I just wonder if it would have been better to stretch some of those out to maybe get the run game going because anytime they cut inside nothing happened and I wonder if that's a B enemy thing that's a you know an RB thing like when he gets over to the sideline it's like hey keep hitting we've seen this in the past you know Damian Williams they used to run that outside zone and he just consistently try and get the edge consistently try and get the edge and it wouldn't work it wouldn't work it wouldn't work and then it would and that one was all you need so maybe he's looking at it he's going hey listen it's there one of these times we're going to get it blocked up right, so keep hitting that. And in that regard, you know, maybe he's just reading it out that way. 
I do think, if I'm, I remember correctly, um, one of their biggest, and their, I think their biggest chunk play in the passing game actually did still come uh, off of a zone pass look, too. So that they, yes, and they went that wide zone look, and it was actually, and it's, this is kind of a principle, you know, it, it look, you, it's like a, it's a throwback. They ran a half field throwback where Marquez Valdez Scantling ran, looked like he was running kind of a crosser across the field to go with the play, and then ran uh, a, a, a kind of a V corner route. Uh, with a dig underneath it kind of occupied. It basically turns into smash that Mahomes is throwing across the field. Is essentially what it's insane. And <laughs> exceptional catch. Yes. It, oh, great what, catch. What, yeah. But it's insane. Like, and it's like maybe that was like, I, I think that might have been off a zone pass. It was. I'm pretty sure it was. And so I just was, that could be setting some of that stuff up. Maybe they wanted some of their, maybe that was their solution to how do we try to create some chunk yards is by establishing the outside zone. We're going to try to, you know, stretch that. And that gives us a, a, a means to help protect Mahomes a little bit better. There's some logic to some of that thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there could be a little bit of that there. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. I think the theory there is completely sound, and I think that's what they were going for. They, they know they couldn't just sit there and just straight drop back pass with Mahomes the way he was, and then especially if you once you start losing receivers, right? Like So I think they knew that for sure, and I think that was a part of it. I, I think it was a good game plan. And like I said, I, don't, I want to be clear. I'm not trying to say Pacheco was doing anything incorrectly. It's just... I think they expected to get more done on the ground on those outside zone runs. And I think you saw in the second half, no matter what they tried, it wasn't working. You even saw them get away from the outside zone, and all of a sudden they're just trying to run inside zone after inside zone. And that's when it was getting real hairy, but that's also when they started losing wide receivers. And maybe the same thing. 
maybe now this play action outside zone, wide zone stuff's taken away because you don't have the right bodies in there. Now you're going back to what is literally install day one for the Chiefs, inside yeah. zone, RPOs off of inside zone. Now you have Kemp, Sky Moore. You have these guys that haven't been doing this new offense the entire time. So I, just, I think there is some logic that you can track from the start of this game to the end on how the Chiefs game plan kind of devolved yeah. as it went on and reverted back to what it would be in the first week of training camp. I think you saw some duplication on formations and you saw duplication on formations and plays. Like they tried to throw that little leak to Travis yes. Kelsey in the yes. flat multiple times mm -hmm. in the second half. It worked real well. Worked. I think it worked okay one time, I think. I think it was the first time. And then yeah. it didn't work well the second time. Yeah. <laughs> Weird how that works. So it's just like, that's what's just so fascinating. me. Like even like we talked about the Marquez Val, I wrote about the Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, orbit motion stuff too. It's like, it wasn't even in orbit. He like entered right. the atmosphere, <laughs> said, "Nope, I'm He's out." Not run it much. Like, it's like they didn't even. He's like, you know, just kind of get close and get back out. Oh, it's all, like, I mean, maybe maybe this was always supposed to be Marquez Valdez scaling. It just didn't look like a natural solution. Even the play got a little jumbled up. It was out of it was out of thirteen personnel too. Mm -hmm. It was three tight ends on the field. It's just I don't know. It's just, like some of that stuff is just so fascinating to me. But this team pieced it together and they found a way to extend some drives and make some plays. I mean, this team scored a touchdown in the second half, which is something they couldn't, they didn't do last year. Right. And it was like, and the thing, like I, the poetry of how that game went, just punch, counter punch, reminder of all of the things that have come back to bite you against the Bengals, punch right back. It's just like so many feelings and emotions of like, ah, oh, here we go again, kept coming back. And these moments kept coming back. Bengals tie it. You get that Feeling in your gut. Never a doubt. <laughs> Andy Reid punts with two minutes and 20 seconds left. You know, you're like, okay, this is how it happens. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, this team just kept finding solutions and kept finding answers. And the resiliency of this football team cannot be overstated. The offensive side of the ball, I think, was just – it was a – it was just – it was gut – it was a gutsy performance. It was. it was. And we saw them setting up stuff that they didn't get to use. A lot of stuff. Early on in the game there, they were running that flat underneath with the corner over the top. And the corner was open quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you had the Bengals playing some quarters coverages. They were aggressively filling downhill. And you saw that corner kind of break open a couple of times. I know Kelsey had one. I can't remember who the receiver on the first time that they ran it. It was open over the top. Might have been Kelsey again. It might have been Kelsey again. It might have been Juju as well. I'm not sure. I don't remember who it was in that instance. They worked. The flat route that they threw still worked. I believe they picked up first downs on both of them that they ran. So it was still working, but they were clearly targeting and making sure that they were focused on the shallow stuff. They were they peppering were the short stuff. They were peppering the short stuff yep. early. That corner route was going to come into play. That got thrown away. That's that's exactly what you guys are talking about. Kadarius here, the was on, I mean, like I think I think I think it was going to be a Kadarius game. It might have been. I think it was. I think there were some things that I it looked like it might be a Kadarius game. Kadarius Tony played four snaps. So when you were telling me that this morning, it was like those were. Did you tell me four? How many? How many? I was feel it? like he had to be involved in three plays on those four exactly. snaps. Exactly. Exactly. And the corner was one he didn't. That, like the corner. I think he ran a corner and Travis Kelsey was running a hitch. At Maybe one that's point. what it was. I mean, yeah, that was the fourth one. But I think I legitimately think he touched the ball on the other three. It's, Insane. It's insane. So, I mean, it was going to be a Canarius-Tony game. They were setting stuff up for that. So, yes, the de-evolution of that is important in the fabric of this game because you got to go to what you know in that situation. When we talk about all this, right, we say all this stuff, and here it is at the end of the day, and this is, this is why it matters. The Chiefs still won that football game. Yep. 
Yes. All this stuff happened, and they still won this game. They lost guys. It forced them to adjust their scheme. It forced them to play with their cards close to their vest. It forced them to literally go back to stuff they are putting in there in the first week of you know camp and everything like that, and they still won that football game. Through all those injuries, now they get two weeks to get guys healthy, or even if guys can't get healthy, they get two weeks to get these players up to other parts of this game mm-hmm. plan. They get to catch them up on the second, third, fourth wave of installs from over camp, guys that maybe weren't in those positions yet. Mm-hmm. So it was huge to come out of this game, and I don't think the Chiefs played poorly on offense. I think a lot of guys played really well. Yeah. I just think they kind of ran out of talent for the positions they needed yes. them in at some point in time. Yes. And so I think that got clipped. That means that there's just a lot of meat left on the bone for this Chiefs team. This Chiefs offense left so much, and that even was in my next point. They wasted so many second downs in this game with silly plays that were probably part of setting up other stuff. I agree with that, but little second underhand, short, little yeah. underhand shovel passes, trying to just run the ball up the middle on second and one. Some of these little screen plays or quick throw, like they just did so many second down plays that I don't think they got any return on their investment at all for. Mm-hmm. And like you just change a couple of those, this offense looks so much better. And then you go into the not having to run just inside zone and inside zone RPO yeah. looks. There's a lot, of, there's a super high ceiling left for this offense. Even if no one else returns to health, this offense can be better than it was in the second half versus the Bengals. Okay. The scary, terrifying part for the Eagles at this point has to be Chiefs against Jacksonville. Patrick Mahomes gets hurt early. Offense shifts, offense changes. It's not what they're running. So you throw it out the window. Okay. Now you go against the Bengals. Players get hurt. Patrick Mahomes re-aggravates the ankle. You take all that, you throw it out the window. When's the last time that you saw this offense have to game plan and play their best stuff? And it's not just, like, schematically. It's personnel. They don't... Who do the Eagles... Like, okay, we'll, t- we'll, we'll talk. Like, there was some kind of comments that I think that were worrying some people on Twitter today because the way Andy Reid kind of talked about LeJarrius Sneed was he's played a lot of great football for us, um, you know, and, you know, he was going to cover, he was going to shout on to Jamar. We'll get into that in a second. But, you know, it's, you know, whether or not he comes back was kind of some of the commentary. I think it's just, I yeah. I understand. Yeah. But at the same time, you just saw an AFC championship game where – seven key Chiefs didn't finish the game. And so... That's it? It felt like more. <laughs> it does. It felt like so. Legit, I know a lot I know, of I wanna, I know, You, you don't got to count them. Yeah. But I'm just looking at it going, okay, so you're looking at this team. They've lost a ton of skill players on both sides of the football. It's mostly skill players. I don't think they really lost anybody on the fronts. But how do you prepare for, well, we might see Kadarius Toney. We might see McCole Hardman. We might see Juju Smith-Schuster. We don't know what they're going to like. I, it's not just the schematic stuff. It's like the Chiefs can hold stuff close to their vest with their personnel. To, like, we don't know if LeJarrius C is going to be here. And maybe what if Andy said that they were going to follow LeJerry or Jamar J- around with AJ? Like, that they weren't be, early. For what it's worth, they weren't, they weren't before early. They, got hurt. they were not at all. All the two plays that he'd played. But I know. Still, they weren't. I know. Yeah. But, I, you know, maybe, maybe like. Giving that piece of information up was strategic too. We got a lot of time to talk about that Eagles matchup. But I know, I know, but I, that's just those are the things that are going through my head and why I'm just kind of excited sure. about that. One more offensive thing before we move on. No, Patrick Mahomes again on one leg, best EPA per play out of any of the playoff quarterbacks this weekend. Unbelievable, and better than Joe Burrow on two legs. It's weird how who? Oh, uh, so Joe Fobro. 
Uh, my bad. Defensive time. Let's talk about the defense because I watched some of that game back today, and I think Steve Spagnuolo had Joe Burrow in an absolute blender. Where'd you find time to watch the game? Because I was at I was at the Shrine Bowl practice. Uh, I was at the Shrine Bowl practice too. Uh, there was practice. Uh, there was practice today. What? Then we were talking to prospects and doing podcast. Kit, what were you doing today, buddy? Oh, <laughs> oh, my bad. I forgot we had responsibilities. I and I I actually made Tucker write my article that posts tomorrow on the Substack. <laughs> too, so. uh, but no, I <laughs> I was rewatching the game while I was while I was writing that article. Man, there's just like I think I think C Spagnola just had Joe Burrow's number and it was delicious to watch. I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh I think there was some plays where Joe Burrow wasn't confident. He was holding the ball a quick second. Yep. The Chiefs were quick to take away some things that he wanted, and he made some really dumb decisions uh as not the best quarterback in the National Football League. I, yeah. That's uh, that was exactly the case. I, it, it was a lot of the stuff that we talked about. Early on, uh, there were a lot of A and B gap pressures when they did blitz. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that was happening up front there. Chris Jones was obviously a monster there, but a lot of the games that they were running got a lot of free rushers at Joe Burrow. He took hits early in this game. But arguably the most important one is Trent McDuffie dropping out very, very early in the game. Dropping into some of those throwing lanes that Joe Burrow loves to hit and loves to hit quickly. He wants to basically catch that ball, trigger off of that step, and get the ball out of his hands. He knows that he doesn't have an offensive line that can protect him for very long, so it needs to come out, and it needs to come out now. Trent McDuffie stepping in that throwing lane, deflecting that pass. Should have been an interception. Trent will tell you that as well. But (laughs) stepping into that throwing lane and making a play on the ball there was so important for making Joe Burrow hold it longer and double-check and triple-check because he's trying not to make a mistake. He's still a young quarterback. We have seen him at times when he is taking lots of hits, where he's taking sacks. He recovers well. He really stays in games very, very well. And if you get him momentum, he can resurge. But if you keep him questioning, it is going to go poorly. It is just going to go poorly. He doesn't have all the answers yet. He's potentially going to get there as a quarterback. I'm not saying that. He's very young in his career. He doesn't have all the answers yet, so if you can confuse him early, he starts questioning things. That's when the pass rush got home. I think it was, was it the first series where McDuffie slid under that? So they, I believe second play, third yeah, play of the game. It was something Some, like that. Yeah. But yeah, they flashed a little speed out underneath essentially a slant. McDuffie's playing out of the slot. Burrow's looking at the speed out. You think McDuffie's going to take it, and he, he's just eyeing it. I don't even know if he's, he maybe takes one slide step towards it, but he doesn't do anything that indicates he's going to chase it, but he's looking that way. And as soon as he pulls off of it, Burrow's trying to throw the slant right behind his ear. McDuffie just slides right underneath it, almost picks it off, probably should have, but almost does. But that play right there is an immediate red flag to Joe Burrow, like, hey, they're maybe going to do some stuff differently than I think they're going to do. That just right there is going to put it in your mind like, okay, there might be a little bit more here than I think. So now all of a sudden, even if it's not a second, even if it's not a full hitch, you at least have to confirm with your eyes before you throw something. And I think that's what you started to see Burrow do for much of the first quarter. He just needs to make sure he actively eye-checks all of his stuff. He can't just assume anymore. Now you've got to take away that assumption. And now it did feel like throughout the game, Burrow maybe built some of that confidence up. He definitely In the middle did. of that game, all of a sudden, he's starting to feel it now. The fade routes work a little bit. He's hitting a couple passes over the middle of the field. Now he's back to feeling, I don't have to eye-check everything anymore. I can throw the ball where I anticipate something being open based on our route concepts, based on what I'm seeing, the Chiefs personnel, and they got into a rhythm and it started working. 
Then the Chiefs broke them out of that rhythm again by going back to just starting to mix stuff up again a little bit and really just the defensive line at that point in time taking oh, over. Oh, yeah, they took over. Well, it was, le- it was less confusing Burrow later in the game and more the D-line taking over and yes. then a phenomenal play by Brian Cook. Like, that's that's what down in the second half really what the defense kind of got going there was. Well, and uh, absolutely. The, I think and the defensive line was the constant. And But I, I do, I do want to say, like, I do think the back seven did a great job early in the yes. game. That and like where the pass rush was the constant, they were getting home all the time. Like they were, and, and Joe was thinking about it and he was feeling it. You could tell that. Um, but it, it is like you're right. It's just the, the, the secondary did enough to make him think enough and to hold that ball just a tick longer. And like the answer and the response, I think, from the Bengals was we're going to keep more guys in protection mm-hmm. and we're going to go throw it up to our dudes. Right. And so that was the response for the Bengals. And they, they had a couple big plays that hit because of it. Like, it worked great for them. Yeah. I mean, the, on a fourth and six, they win a seven-man protect, protection, and Joe Burrow threw in the double, double coverage. And if it's played any better, it's an interception. So even despite all this stuff we're talking about here, I'm not giving Joe Burrow credit for that. That was a great play by Jamar Chase. Refused to give him credit for that. <laughs> but it was underthrown because somebody was, didn't let him fall through. Yeah, like I don't remember yeah. which D end it was, but what, it was either Dunlap or Clark. Definitely put it was their Dunlap. Arm, it, was Dunlap. it was Dunlap. Got his arm up. Joe Burrow couldn't fall. That's maybe what stops it from being a touchdown. Like we yeah. don't have to give Joe Burrow credit for that necessarily, but like that might be a touchdown if Dunlap yeah. doesn't stop him from stepping through. And I think your max protection point was really good. I know we talked about it. We did the live, you know, uh, watch along, but they started putting a running back and a tight end, and they were they were heavy chipping. They weren't chipping and releasing. Mm. They were blocking and then releasing. They were staying in for a tick, and the Chiefs were just. At that point in time, they were too afraid to get out of or, uh, too high. They were still going too high, and th- part of that was the chase play. Part of that was Higgins getting Watson down the field. Like they flashed enough to make the Chiefs uncomfortable mm-hmm. with those two corners playing on an island out there. But they get Max protect in there, and now all of a sudden you have the Chiefs are using four defenders to defend deep shots down the sidelines. Like that's all that that's the Chiefs were wasting a lot of bodies and a lot of space that the Bengals weren't even threatening because they were only sitting three guys out in routes. Right. They were just playing a little too soft out of it. Like, and they, and I think there was I'm sorry and I, but to to continue on to that I think there there was a default for Joe where he was just going to try to give it to his guys too. Sure, it's like he wasn't reading things out necessarily the entire <clears throat> same way he was the entirety. He I mean he threw to Jamar in double t- coverage like there was a little bit on some plays where he just was refusing to let anybody. He but, threw to T Higgins in <laughs> double coverage and Brian Cook right. makes a play. Uh, yeah, it was just it wasn't and it wasn't all progression for him even if it was only three men on the route. It was just like I'm going to go give my guys a shot and mm-hmm. I'm just going to ride or die with what happens with those two. You are listening to KC Sports Network, your home for the best coverage on your favorite local teams. Whether you're a Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, KC Current, K-State, KU, or Mizzou fan, we've got you covered. Find KCSN on your favorite podcast platform. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. 
You got this. Adidas. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. I think there's definitely some of that, and that's what that team can do, right? When you have that, and as you're playing two rookie corners for their day three picks, like you can definitely live in that world, and the Chiefs were trying to protect that. But I, I just mean, like, this is what the Bengals' good answer was. This was the Bengals' good answer, and it was working great. We, I just said, Burrow got into rhythm. He got comfortable, and a lot of it was from those looks. And what was happening, those guys would stay in the block. The Chiefs would drop everyone in coverage to protect the sidelines. Tight end. Running back, we're picking up six, seven yards in these plays, and that's when the Bengals were moving the ball. Like we don't have, like the defense played great. They did not shut them down though, because the Bengals had a pretty good answer to what the Chiefs were trying to do. And Burrow wasn't confident in dumping the ball to the back no. as much as he was either, because he it got blown to shreds early. He dirted so many throws in this game that he was just like, "Nope, we're done." And some of that is Frank Clark sniffing out a screen, or Mike Dana, or Carlos Dunlap sniffing out a screen. There, some of it is just. Pure pressure in his face with those guys leaking so late. Steve Spagnuolo went out of his way a little bit. You you saw the progression of Nick Bolton early on in the game. Did a good job with his coverage drops. Want we'll to shout him out for that. There, uh, that first couple series, the depth that he had, they were taking away some of those easy drags and things like that that Jamar Chase, that they loved to hit on. They were taking those away with the linebackers. And that's something that we haven't seen a lot this year. Mm-hmm then all of a sudden you started to see some of those dump-offs, some of those things underneath and having to rally to them. But like Maddie was saying, six, seven yards. What happens when they leave some of those things in and you start seeing that heavy max protect with the running back chipping out into the flat? What do they have? Nick Bolton mugging the A-gap to force them to stay in. And then as soon as the running back gets out, he's fast to the flat. And as fast as possible to the flat, fast enough to where Joe Burrow looking over there and going, no. I'm not confident throwing that dirted a couple throws because of that adjustments made by the defense. The Chiefs sim pressure was forcing the, the Chiefs sim pressure forced the Bengals to go into that max protection. Yes. The fact that they were showing that so often and the way the D-line was playing in that first quarter forced the Bengals to go into max protect. Now I said, I think that was a good change by the Bengals and it led to their success, but it was hard though. It was still hard yeah. for their offense. Yeah. You already mentioned a fourth down. There was a QB draw. There was a couple third and long complete like successes for the Bengals. Like, it was hard for them to move the ball great play by them to do that to go max protect to get these three-man routes going and these late releases but it was still hard and a lot of that was the chief sim pressure paired with that d-line pressure they made the Bengals do stuff that they hadn't done since last year that Bengals offense was a lot more reminiscent of last year's offense than it has been this year's and it's because of what the chiefs did to them on that side i was really impressed with some of the third and fourth and shorts yeah from this defense but yeah I didn't have a ton of confidence or expectation that good things were happening because a lot of it doesn't seem like this team has done a great job in some of those kind of situations. They're better at them than the third and longs this year. (laughs) I'm being honest. They're better at them than the third and longs. Those automatic downs should not be as easy for the opposition as they tend to be for this. Anyway, yeah. But it also, like, it was fourth and shorts that forced the Bengals to make decisions like punting, where it's like getting, you know... So there's you know the, there's some fourth and shorts where or third and shorts I'm sorry short, third and shorts where they might make the decision to go for it against this Chiefs team but like they were clamping down early in some of these you know early ha- their side of the field possessions and forcing some punts. What's well, so this? Uh, multiple third and fives, third and sixes, st- or second. Third and five, third and sixes stayed, third and five, and third and sixes, yes. right? They yeah. weren't picking up three, four yards on them to give them fourth Correct. and shorts. It's 
it's pretty easy to go for a fourth and two at your own 40-yard line when you're trying to play this aggressive game. It's a lot harder to go for, you know, a fourth and a fourth and seven yeah. from that 35-yard line before that. And what the Chiefs were doing, they were making good stops on those situations, but also in the field. They weren't letting the Bengals get past, like, midfield. They were yeah. stopping them just before. They were stopping them where it's a lot harder to live with failing. You get, a, you get stopped in the 50, the Chiefs still have to pick up two first downs and that temperature and that weather to kick a field goal, right? You still got to pick up about 15, 20 yards. We learned it was a lot longer than we were hoping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you still have <laughs> to pick up 15, yeah. 20 yards if you get stopped at midfield, but when you're at your own 35 instead, or even your own 40, it's just that's a lot harder to decide to it go is. for it there, and it's a big difference of fourth and two versus fourth and five. And it's, yeah, and it's not just those downs. It was second down. They did such a better job of tackling. Oh, my goodness. Everybody can remember that regular season game where the Chiefs defense could not tackle anybody. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not, it wasn't just Jamar Chase because Jamar Chase, other than Trent McDuffie, Jamar Chase is impossible to tackle. It was everybody. Everybody was getting out of the Chiefs' grasp in that first matchup. We didn't see that very often in this one. We saw a broken tackle by Joe Burrow from Mike Dana that Frank Clark you know, finished, and we saw a broken tackle by, I believe, Willie Gay on Willie Gay. Oh yeah, when he came off the backside or something of a run. Yeah, maybe that was it. That That might have been it. That might be. That might be absolutely it. And even more than that, guys were. There were some guys falling forward, but they weren't falling forward for four yards. They were falling forward for one or two. That's exactly it. And that's that is so big. The worst tackle that they made, and like I don't mean that somebody played a bad game, was Nick Bolton getting his ankles broke on a Joe Burrow scramble. Right. Correct. That's like the only play that I would point to and say. There was a really bad missed tackle. He yeah. didn't even touch him. But like besides that, it, the tackling was phenomenal. It was. It was. When when you're in second and eight, you get a good stop on first down. You know, you stay ahead of the sticks, and they did that consistently in this game. It's second and eight, and now all of a sudden, that's when they've at times this season have allowed these third and twos, third and threes. You're you're allowing bigger plays. You allow the offense to get back into it. It was third and five, third and six multiple times in this game and those were the difference makers in this they really were the difference makers and it's because a lot of those bubble screens and things like that where they went for bigger yardage against other opponents went for two and three yards and now all of a sudden you can stay ahead of the sticks it's sticker slaps and spirit time boys perfect it is great so uh we're all gonna do that before we get out of here i'm gonna give a helmet sticker to trent mcduffie um so look it wasn't the perfect performance for trent mcduffie can you give him new cleats I, I'm getting there, yeah. Uh, yes, we can give him new cleats because I think you're going to see some moments from Trent McDuffie in this game where it, it wasn't pretty. There were some moments where he just flat out slipped on the turf, and I think that was the vast majority of the mistakes that Trent McDuffie made was him simply sli- slipping. Outside of that, outstanding tackling and, and out on the edge when this team needed it the most. We talk about the, the, the tip pass in the first possession – how about the tip position on this on the in on the third and seventeen yeah. that adjusted the throw to yeah. to T Higgins? Like, he got up for that. Well, and holy cow! What happens if that what that's that's a three and out? Yep, that's off the field. And obviously, you know the Chiefs didn't score the next possession, but get the ball back, kill some clock. Well, you know that was huge. And so I think Trent McDuffie, like I, some people are going to see it as an up and down performance. I think he played great. I think some factors out of his control, like slipping, were kind of you know the factor of you know were the biggest issue he had. Give me Trent McDuffie for a helmet sticker for me. Sla- oh, I'm next. Sla- oh. 
Okay, so I'm going to stick in the same position. Joshua Williams. I'm going with Joshua Williams here. Uh, we kind of give flowers out to everybody, and I think he was mentioned yesterday during the postgame show, right? But, man, I think Joshua Williams is a lot better than we kind of gave him credit oh for. I, one, there was the interception, which was really just Brian Cook making an excellent play right to him. And, ooh, that return was close to being big. But I was watching. There was a lot of times where it looked like I pointed out in the live stream, yeah. too. He was one-on-one -on -one with Jamar Chase. He was one-on-one -on -one with Higgins, isolated on the backside of some of the Bengals' three-by-one sets. And I'd point it out, and it's like, there's a matchup that I really don't like right now. There's a matchup I really don't like right now. Almost every time I pointed it out, it doesn't stay on the screen, so I'm excited to go back and watch. But he would land a fantastic two-hand punch. He would immediately reduce the space to the sideline and force Higgins or force Chase over to out of bounds, like you're right up the sideline. And only once or twice did it look like Burrow really looked that way. So I'm sure there was safety rotation over the top and everything. But just the process of how many times I saw him land a hard square punch into Chase or Higgins' chest that is going to disrupt the time. Burrow got the ball in 2.65 seconds. You know what you can't wait on when you're getting the ball in 2.65 seconds? A wide receiver to beat a well-placed jam. So shout out Josh Williams. Have a butt slap because I think his work at the line of scrimmage have was fantastic. Butt. Have a butt Have slap. Have a butt slap. Have one. I got one here for you. Hey, Maybe two. Real quick. Joshua Williams getting to play this game is massive for him because there's a chance they might eat him next week. Uh, and so, like, I just, like. It wasn't too big for him. The Chiefs got thrown to the fire and all of them responded. That's so huge for this team in a game next week. That's all. Anyways. I said last week when I gave my whole ass bottle of vodka to Chris Jones that if he got a sack, I was going to give him three whole ass bottles of vodka this week. So I'm taking those. Those are for you, Chris. Okay. Moving it aside. This is the most Maddie answer I've ever, I've ever heard. I mean, I said, I said, I told the man. So he, you pre you're preemptively doing it now so you can get a, a next one. Yeah. Okay. Three more for Chris Jones <laughs> for two sacks. This game does not get won if Chris Jones does not play the way that he is. No. There are so many elements of this that we're going to talk about. So many guys that stepped up in big moments, that filled in in big moments, and all of those guys deserve every amount of praise that they're going to get. There are big-time players that made big-time plays as well. None of them did what Chris Jones could do. It really was the Chris Jones show out there. Not taking away anything else from the way that the rest of the defensive line played. They were excellent. Joe Cullen and what that defensive line did was awesome. Chris Jones single-handedly blew up several run plays. Was in Joe Burrow's face mm -hmm. all game long. When they're doing max protect and you're chipping the edges and you are trying to give extra time and you've got two interior offensive linemen walked back in your lap because Chris Jones is being that dominant, it ruins everything. And he ruined everything for the Bengals. It's what they did not have last year. It was the answer that they could not go to last year in the AFC Championship game. Chris Jones was an absolute animal. I know I'm going to say his name about 42,000 times over the next two weeks, but he deserves every single one of those six whole ass bottles of vodka for Chris Jones. Why do you need to keep bringing his name up for the next two weeks, Craig? Well, because the Chiefs are going to the damn Super Bowl. And we will be here at KC Sports Network covering all things Chiefs, Eagles, Super Bowl, the New Heights Bowl, the Andy Reid Bowl. I don't want, care what you call it. The Chiefs got to pull this one out. We'll be here covering it with all kinds of shows throughout the network. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. We'll catch you later.
you jabroni. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.